Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about VanHack? Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm? That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally. Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle. Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease. And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals. Tech savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs. VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants. So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today. Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips. VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, we have finally someone more HR famous than you on the show. (laughs) Absolutely. It's amazing to have this opportunity. And I am so pleased to welcome to the show and introduce Joel Lalji, head of content with The Realist Recruiter. Joel, thank you for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. Excited for the conversation today. So for the audience that and which is hard to believe anybody who's in <laughs> talent acquisition and recruitment should be at least a first or second degree connection or a mm. follower. Give us a little bit about who is Joel yep. and how did you get into the recruitment space? You know, I love this question because I ask it on every single episode of my podcast and I am the same as all of my guests. I fell into recruitment. I had a <laughs> A really close friend and mentor of mine who had been in the recruitment space for a long time. He had worked with Ronstad, moved his way up the ranks. He spun off and started up his own recruitment agency and started that company in 2015. He's like, Joel, you should come work for me. I think you'd be good at recruiting. You're good with people. You're curious, all this sort of stuff. I was in the banking industry. I was a loan officer. I was doing sales. And at the time, I was like, I don't know if you can pay me enough. So he told me what the pay was. I was like, yeah, you definitely can't pay me enough. But he said, it's a remote job. There's commission opportunity. We're trying to disrupt the recruitment industry. And he had me at remote job. I was like, all right, if I don't have to go into the bank anymore, I will happily get into recruitment. And so I interviewed for his company. Even though he was a CEO, he still had to put me through the whole process. And yeah, that was back in 2015. And to give some context, It wasn't contingent recruitment. It wasn't retained recruiting. They had an hourly RPO. Every client they worked with, they'd work on multiple engagements. And you'd work with a client on one position for 10 to 15 hours a week. You'd start from scratch, build them up a database, recruit for whatever position they had open. And the idea was that you'd save them a ton of money over a contingency or a retained work. So that's how I got my start in recruitment. And been in the industry ever since and just switched around my roles from business development. I've tried contingency, been in training, and now I'm kind of in a hybrid role of influencer marketing, I'd call it strategy and advising around content, and then training companies, corporate teams and agencies on how they can use social media to attract candidates or clients, whatever their goal is. 
not just focused on LinkedIn, but really every platform. I feel like I've spent a lot of time developing my brand on a lot of different platforms, as well as a podcast and a newsletter and all that good stuff. Yeah, I want to dig in a little bit on that. So from what I can read, you have around 400K followers across all the platforms, LinkedIn being the biggest one with around 197K. Recruitment influencer is kind of a funny title in a way. (laughs) It's like, what does that mean? But I really want you to give us some insight. Like, how did you build that following? Obviously, there's a ton of content, but any advice for recruiters that really want to create that personal brand like you have? The reason it started, so this is four years ago now, before the pandemic started, which is where we saw a big influx of digital creators because couldn't go face-to-face, obviously. But in 2019, I was using LinkedIn Recruiter, and then on my downtime, I would spend time just scrolling the newsfeed. And I started noticing people were talking about content and how you could use content and create content, put yourself out there, and you could attract inbound leads. And I started thinking, okay, within recruitment, Everything I'm doing is just so outbound focused. I'm sending in mails. I'm sending emails. I'm cold calling people. I'm just reaching out constantly. And the idea of being able to spend less effort and creating an awareness. And on top of that, having people come to me, it sounded like a dream come true. And I just thought if I could be a recruiter and never have to reach out to candidates again, cold, If I could just reach out to people and they knew me, how much easier my job would be. Some people love cold calling. For me, it's always been a little bit awkward and I don't love cold calling people. Surely there has to be a way to warm people up. And geographically, where I'm based, I'm kind of outside Milwaukee. There's a lot of video creators that started on LinkedIn in the Milwaukee area and started seeing this nonstop content. And obviously I would engage with it or I'd like it or I'd view it. Then my feed was just full of people talking about content. And the only social media platform I was actually on was LinkedIn. I deleted my Facebook account, deleted Instagram, because I just thought social media is a waste of time. It's just a time suck and I'm not getting anything out of it. And LinkedIn was the only platform I had and I just used it for recruiting, right? In-mailing and then connecting with people if they didn't respond to my email so I could DM them. That was what I used LinkedIn for. And then in 2019, I said, you know what? I'm just going to start creating content. And I started from a really kind of basic point of just sharing things that I thought would be valuable to the recruitment teams that I was consulting with. I would talk about how to create a creative subject line, for example, or how to follow up effectively with candidates. Or I would talk about problems that candidates and clients that I worked with were facing. And I would put out really cringy videos. I remember just doing selfie LinkedIn videos from my spare bedroom. It started from that point. And It just grew and grew. So my advice to anybody when they're getting started is always the same. You can't get better if you don't have anything out there. So you need to start from where you're at. Don't try Mm -hmm. and be anyone you're not. You don't need to be a thought leader, but start to address common questions that you get. Start to address the value that you're giving in one-on-one conversations. Start from that point and get comfortable with that. You know, I think the thing that you said that really hit me there is... Replacing cold calling by having a personal brand that people already know who you are makes a big difference. It makes a big difference when you're going into a meeting. It makes a big difference when you're reaching out to someone if they know who you are. And this has happened to me even in our our little Canadian podcast here. I've been in client meetings like your surge from the recruitment (laughs) flex. 
Yeah. I, I imagine the credibility that gives you. So I love that. What's your favorite platform to use right now? Oh, that is tough. I would say like Twitter or threads, right? Because they've just introduced threads here in the US, which is basically an Instagram clone of yeah. Twitter. I love the idea of just being able to blast out your thoughts and headlines of whatever you're thinking in the moment. I love that. Although it's not my biggest following by far. I mean, on Twitter, I think I've got like 12,000 followers, which took a long time to build up. It's like a safe spot for me where I don't get a lot of stuff that goes viral. There's not a lot of pressure. So I love being able to like drop down my thoughts and then be able to go back and go, what was I thinking about two years ago? Like, how have I evolved? How have I changed? So that's my favorite platform, which might be a surprise for most people. It, it is gonna... a little bit of a surprise. Sorry, Shelly. I'm going to keep on this for a few minutes. Threads. What's your take on it? It's two weeks, 100 million subscribers. I'm one of those subscribers. I've been on twice. And I'm like, eh, I'm not <laughs> sure if I really like this yet. I think they'll get tons of signups. Will they use it like they use Twitter is still to be seen? What's your overall thoughts there? Number one, they got to get some sort of hashtags because the content isn't curated enough and it's based on who you follow on Instagram. The culture on Instagram and Twitter is completely different. Like Instagram to me is part of the reason our culture has developed into what it has, which is like flex culture, it's beautification. And when you look at Instagram as a whole, it's basically in my mind, a soft porn website because I know creators on there who are forced to like get a bikini to increase their views because that's what people consume on the platform. And it's just image-based. I took a real estate agent years ago was looking to build up their brand. I'd made the comments, yeah, I would imagine a lot of people in your industry take selfies in front of big houses and that's how they treat Instagram. He's like, that's exactly what they do. So I never got into that. The reason I got into Twitter so much is because I enjoy the headlines. It's nothing to do with the platform. I think there's a good recruiter community on Twitter and I enjoy yeah. the community I have on there. I don't really love the rest of the platform, but I love this quick headline and just having these quick conversations and I love the fact that you can you can have 20 thoughts and just post out 20 times and the algorithm doesn't hit you. But that behavior is so different to Instagram that they have to figure out, number one, hashtags so you can get relevant content. There's no DMs on there. I'm really actually shocked that they jumped into it so quickly and then made it readily available. In my mind, a better strategy would have been like an invite-only type thing, kind of like how Clubhouse did it so they could test out the kinks. You get 100 million people sign up. How do you figure out what content people are going to consume? And ultimately, if they're not consuming content and not spending time on there, then people are really quickly going to be like, yeah, it wasn't for me. And I think you probably have one or two times of going onto a platform. If you have negative experience a couple of times, you're going to be like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll stick to LinkedIn or TikTok or these other platforms. But at the end of the day, Mark Zuckerberg is super smart. The product team over at Matter is smart. They're really good at stealing stuff, which is basically the whole platform when you think about it. So we'll see. Hopefully they'll adopt some of those things. My personal take is it's worth investing into a platform to learn it and understand it early on. Would I spend all of my time on threads? Highly unlikely. But I know a couple of people who are already talking about like going all in on it. So you, you don't have a course yet on how to use Shred <laughs> that you can sell to your audience? No, definitely in like the sales meetings that I'm in, I'm like, hey, I'm experimenting with this and I'm yeah. spending time on it. But there are people who are already putting together courses, just like with the chat GPT, where everyone's an expert on prompts now. 
everyone's boosting up the newsletters. It's the same thing on TikTok. I remember when TikTok was in its infancy before a lot of people joined it back in 2019. You started to see an emergence of TikTok coaches. A lot of them, they were just faking it till they make it. It was like, you've been on the platform for a week and now you're an expert on TikTok. I don't think you get away from that on social media. Okay. Can I go now? Yeah, of course. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to reel us back in. Yes. Because I love the idea that you need to be brave, is what I heard you say. Because your first few videos, when you look at those and you cringe and you go, well, you got to start somewhere, you know? Yeah. But here's one thing that maybe I missed. When you are expressing your thoughts or blasting out your thoughts, who's your target audience? Are you speaking to other recruiters or are you speaking to job seekers? That is an awesome question. It depends on the platform. For example, TikTok, if you look at my TikTok content, it started off more recruiter centric and similar to some of the humorous posts that I would post on LinkedIn. But TikTok has now become heavily job seeker focused because that's the audience that's there. My LinkedIn content, on the other hand, I would say 80% of it is recruiting, HR work, remote work, future of work type content. Still throw in some help for job seekers because there's a lot of misinformation out there. Not necessarily misinformation, but just bad information. And then I'd say Twitter, it's just a mix of both. It's weighted probably more heavily towards recruiters on LinkedIn, job seekers on TikTok, and then Twitter is probably a mix of both. Interesting. Interesting. Because I don't think a lot of people really take such a view on these different social media platforms to understand who is the audience. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? So talk maybe a little bit more about the realist recruiter and what do you do? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So the realist recruiter, obviously, this is an audio only platform, but anyone who's seen any of my live shows, I've got like this big neon sign that says the realist recruiter. And that's my handle on TikTok. That's something that's happened over the last nine months, grown a significant following on that platform gone viral a lot of times. That's the brand that I operate under. But really, the core of my business now is working with recruitment teams and doing exactly what you just described. It's figuring out who are you trying to reach? What are their problems? And how can we create valuable content? The goal of what I do is not to create many influencers. Because I actually don't think that is the right approach. If you're a recruiter, You do not need hundreds and thousands of followers to be effective. What you need is to understand who am I connecting with and who am I attracting with my content? And you need to be consistent. And in fact, I would argue that if you're going viral or you're getting a lot of reactions, it's probably going to cause you more headaches in the long run. The way I think about it is you have a reputation offline with your candidates and your clients already. The longer you've been in recruiting, the more of a reputation you have. Hopefully it's a good reputation. And really online, what you're able to do is you're able to exponentially scale that to people that you don't know. LinkedIn's in a unique platform because it's not like TikTok where TikTok you can go viral and reach millions of people potentially. LinkedIn's very network-based. So if you're connecting to the right candidates, the right clients, if you're on the agency side, Whenever they engage with you, their network also sees it. And most people outside of the LinkedIn super users are just connecting with people within their industry. So it's extremely powerful and you can do a lot. And again, I'm advising that people share industry news, company employee branded 
content that your marketing team's creating or your employer branding team's creating, open jobs that you're working on, maybe some personal non-work related content to show that you're human every now and again. But the goal of what I'm doing is to have the whole recruitment team working together to scale the brand in the industry that they want to reach candidates in or they want to reach clients in, Mm -hmm. not to just go famous and be famous on LinkedIn to a crowd that you're never going to recruit with or work with. That's what I've happened to to done. And it helps, right? It definitely helps in a sales meeting to say, yeah, I know about social media. Check out my follower count and my view count. That's compelling in a sales meeting. But does that convert to the right candidates all the time and the right clients? I don't think so. It's a simpler strategy that requires just consistency and sharing valuable content as opposed to viral content. You don't want everybody. You want the right people if that makes sense. Absolutely wise advice, for sure. The thought that somehow you need to become an influencer versus finding something that other people would say, that's really thoughtful. I can take and use that little nugget today in what I do, whether you are recruiting accountants or insurance agents, being able to share something that is relevant and timely because more isn't better. What I hear you talking about is consistency and having a plan and understand why you're doing it and what are we trying to accomplish here. So thank you. I think that was just absolutely superb advice. At the end of the day, it's like being helpful, right? Is this person helpful? People underestimate, even on LinkedIn, people see your comments. And when you comment, and you can test this, go to your newsfeed. First piece of content is from somebody you're connected with. Second piece is an ad. Then the third piece of content is someone in your network has liked or commented on a post. So if you strategically comment on valuable and helpful content for your network, then they go, oh, Joel, he's really helpful. That is how you become the person that they call when they are ready. And I think that's the problem, right? 95% of people we reach out to are not interested in the moment. How do you keep them engaged? How do you stay on their radar so when they are in that mindset to make a move or they're wanting valuable advice, they need help finding candidates. If you're again with clients, they go, wow, yeah, Joel's been really helpful. I actually think sometimes having a lot of followers and virality can be a little bit of a distraction. And Mm -hmm. I don't actually know all the time how approachable I am for clients where some of the coworkers I've worked with in the past who just flew under the radar, but were consistently creating content, they would land some monster clients. When you're an influencer, you can be unapproachable because they figure this guy's got 190,000 followers. He's not going to respond to me. Well, I thought my request for this interview would get lost in your LinkedIn box for sure. Knowing the amount of LinkedIn messages that I get and I don't have anywhere near your followers. But I do want to jump in, Joel. Uh, You mentioned that you interact with job seekers, you interact with recruiters, with hiring leaders. Let's start with job seekers. What do you think is the biggest challenge for job seekers out there right now? I think for people who have been laid off, the challenge is it's it's so competitive. Obviously, we know on LinkedIn, when we see how many people have applied for a job, that's just people who have clicked on a job, right? We all know that. But when that number 18 months ago was one to three people on these jobs, and now it's three to 400, we can just assume that more people are applying to jobs. So it's a lot more competitive. That, without a doubt, is a huge issue. And then I think there's just a lack of understanding of how the recruitment process works. I do a live show every single day on TikTok for an hour, and it's just job seeker Q&A. 
And the amount of times I have people say, hey, can you help me find a new job? That fundamentally shows that you're not clear on what a recruiter's job is because a recruiter, they're there to help clients. Now, will you help candidates at times? Sure, but it's usually predicated on whether or not they're in an industry that you're recruiting in or you have a job or you may have a job in the future, then yes, you're going to help. But if all I do is hire software developers, and you're a mechanical engineer, and you come up to me and go, Joel, I'm trying to find a mechanical engineering job. I don't have the network because my network isn't being built that way. So I'm unlikely mm. going to be able to help you or introduce you to people. For job seekers, it's just a fundamental lack of an understanding of how the recruitment process works. You're not trying to get the attention of a hiring manager. You're trying to get the attention of a recruiter so they call you to screen you for the hiring manager. And then there's a lot of misinformation or bad content around like how an ATS works and what an ATS is and all of this stuff. Joel? Can you settle the debate? Do recruiters look at resumes or do ATS knock out everyone? The advanced ATSs will stack rank people to increase their probability to make recruiters more efficient. But I don't know any recruiter that would send a resume to a hiring manager before having a conversation. Because that is a surefire way to just lose complete respect from a hiring manager Because we all know that a good resume doesn't equal a good candidate and a bad resume does not equal a bad candidate. You have to have the conversation. You've got to ask those questions. I think you've got to have a good resume to make sure that you're higher up in that list as much as you can. And obviously, I think with larger companies, if you're getting thousands of applications, there's a chance your resume isn't getting reviewed, which is why I say get in there earlier. And you also want to make sure you're applying to the right jobs. If you're an IT project manager, don't apply to a construction project manager job. But there's a fallacy that's created by career coaches, obviously, where they want you to believe that there's a magic robot that's just knocking you out and there's no human interaction in the process. And that's just made up. Sorry, I cut you off in the middle there. And I wanted more information on what you're hearing is misinformation because there is a ton of Mm -hmm. career coaches that have never recruited. I see it all the time. What's your take? What's the biggest misinformation out there outside of the ATS question? It's hard to nail it down. For example, I saw someone on TikTok that said, it's okay to fly on your resume. Obviously, that's terrible information. There's a lot of coaches that they're focused on the keywords over the story or like there's a magic format that's going to guarantee you that you get the job. I've seen those posts where it's, here's a resume format that got me the job at Meta. And then it's like, oh, sure, it wasn't Microsoft and the other tech companies experience that you had that really got them to call you back. Your experience and what you've accomplished are the two biggest things that hiring managers focus on. Yeah. What do you do and who do you do it for? That's what matters. And no matter what your format is, At the end of the day, if you don't have the relevant accomplishments and experience, it's going to be hard for a hiring manager to be interested in you because they're going to have other candidates that have that experience and those accomplishments. I think there's a lot of focus on mechanics of resumes and not the actual content, which is really what you should be focusing on. Oh, I completely agree. I really don't care to format. I want to know what you've done and who you've done it for and what are those skills that can be useful to my organization. Like, I don't care if you have the Indeed copy of the resume that they give out. It doesn't really matter as long as the content's real. On that note, though, we know that companies are leveraging AI tools. We know job seekers are starting to leverage AI tools pretty heavily. And I noticed that you are sponsoring TikToks based on a company that helps you 
apply for hundreds jobs at a time. To your point that you said, uh, getting 400 resumes where I used to get 100 resumes, I'm like, are these legit? Is this overwhelming? Is this actually giving a worse candidate experience? We'd love to get your take on that <laughs> overall. Yeah, so the company I'm working with is a company called Massive. They're a startup, and essentially what they do is based on your resume, based on the information that you feed it and your preferences, it will auto-apply you to jobs you're fit for. Now, okay. the caveat that I always make with this is if you're an active job seeker, it's actually not going to help you. This is actually designed for people who are working and don't have the time to necessarily apply for jobs, but would be open to another job if it came their way, which I think is an interesting concept. There is another service too. I think it might be called like easy apply. It's a yeah. comment section that just applies yeah. you a thousand jobs. This is not that because okay. you have to pay a monthly subscription to it and they only get buying customers when they see the results. And the idea is that it takes your information, your preferences on those companies and it applies you to those jobs. Again, it's not for job seekers who are active because you have the time to apply for jobs. My typical advice for job seekers who are active is you got to have a balance of quality and quantity. I tell people like, hey, 10 to 15 jobs a day, but you want to do your research, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to a thousand jobs. So hopefully that gives some clarification on that tool. And it's really re just within a tech space, which as we all know, with tech jobs, even though there's been a lot of layoffs for the highly technical jobs like product managers, DevOps, engineers, there's still a market and that's who that, that product's aimed towards. It's not just, hey, we're going to apply you to a thousand jobs, which there are tools out there that exist for that as well, which I'm not a fan of. And Joel, I'm not saying I'm a fan or not. I'm really trying to figure out what's going to work and what's the best for job seekers and what's the best for recruiters out there. And I think it's a territory that none of us really know what it's going to look like. Like the old adage of how close are we from robots interviewing robots seems to get <laughs> closer and closer, obviously with chat GPT and all the different AI tools coming out. What's the key advice for job seekers right now that are really targeting a company or especially a new industry to go into? Yeah, I had a friend of mine who's a recruiter. She lost her job. She got laid off and she got another job in six weeks. If anyone who knows the recruitment market in the US, that is record time, especially in this market. Yeah. So I asked her, what are your tips? Why do you think you were able to land a job so quickly? She said, number one, being in early, like as quickly as possible. She said, the jobs where she applied within hours of it being posted, those were the jobs that reached out to her quicker than the other job. So if there was a job that was posted for two weeks, she wasn't really getting responses from that. What I'm advising the people to do is to not spend an eight hour block necessarily just applying for jobs nonstop, but to just be strategic. Check the job board at 9am, have those searches saved, have those notifications saved, check it at 9am, check it at noon, check it at 5pm. So you're spending more like concentrated blocks. And then to your point, like, as much as you can, because you're obviously limited to the jobs that are actually posted within your industry, focus on that balance of that quality and quantity. Because if you apply to two jobs a week and you're not hearing back, well, okay, you're going to have to up the quantity. And then I think trying to get strategic with your follow-up too. That was something that she said where she was sending connection requests. And when those connection requests were getting accepted, she was sending a very short message and I think this is a message to anybody right now in the digital age. When you send messages to people, 
it's got to be specific, relevant, short, and then you need to follow up. So you got to track these conversations. Again, that's where it helps when you're not applying to 100 jobs. Because imagine applying to 100 jobs and then trying to follow up with the hiring managers and then trying to send a follow up to that. She also mentioned having a job tracker. One of the job trackers I think that's helpful, a tool called Teal. And what they've done, it's a founder who used to work at WeWork, technical background. He essentially said, you know what? Why can't job seekers have their own ATS? With that tool, with the free version, it just gives you a tracker. So you can track all the jobs you reply to, and then you can actually move yourself down the process as you're moving down. That way, you know where you're at with each of the jobs you replied. The other option is to use an Excel spreadsheet. They also have other tools where you can take the job description and you can match your resume. I'm not a huge fan of that unless you're doing it right, because simply saying, can you give me a resume to match the job description? Based on everything we've said, that's not going to cover your accomplishments and the scope of your work. It's getting to use these AI tools smartly, just like you would as a recruiter on the opposite end when you're messaging candidates. You don't want to just say, chat GPT, I'm looking for a software engineer. Give me a perfect message for the candidate. If you do that, your message is going to be trashed. You want to look at their profile, understand who they are, personalize it. When we talk about AI on the job seeker or recruiter side, it's using the tools to replace some of the manual tasks like tracking a job and using an Excel spreadsheet, but being careful with how we use it when it comes to just creating information that's going to represent us or you're trying to convince somebody you'd be a good fit for the job. You got to use these tools in a balanced way when it comes to all of these hacks that people are putting out there. We've talked a lot about the job seeker side. I know that is 50% of our equation. I just want to come back to a question we asked earlier, though, what you feel is the biggest challenge from the recruitment industry side. I mean, I guess at individual contributor level, I think that the big challenge for a lot of recruiters is they've been laid off, right? And they're looking for work. Mm -hmm. And as an industry, it's interesting. A lot of the people I get on my podcast are usually leading teams. I think there's a lot of uncertainty just around Obviously, we're talking about AI a lot because it is so relevant, but I think there's a lot of fear within the recruitment community that there's going to be large parts of our jobs that are just taken over. So I think that's one challenge from an operational standpoint. I do think that just the influx of candidates right now and creating a good candidate experience is a massive challenge. Again, when we look at these tools, which allow you to just outreach in in massive ways, you have job seekers that are applying a thousand jobs. You've got recruiters that are sending out thousands of messages. Canada experience right now is an extremely challenging area because for companies, it's so hard to scale your brand and your recruitment team and their activity while maintaining that quality Canada experience. And you're losing people right through that process. And then budgets are just getting cut left and right as well. Companies, they still have roles that need to be filled. Suddenly you've got really lean teams expectations are just as high, but there isn't as much money available. And then there's just a lot of recruiters that are on the market. And I think for recruiters, particularly the early ones, the people who are in their zero to two years experience, there was just such a boom in the recruitment industry two years ago to 18 months ago that a lot of people got dragged into the industry. And now they're kind of floundering. Okay, what do I do now? Do I stay in recruitment? A lot of messages I get from recruiters right now more junior recruiters are like, what else can I do? Should I go to customer service? Should I go to in the sales? Should I stay in the recruitment? I would assume it's a similar thing up in Canada as well. It is. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's almost identical. Everything you just mentioned, and we have guests from across the world, it's very similar challenge. So I think you nailed it. But we're already halfway through 2023. I'm just curious, take out your crystal ball. What does the rest of the year looks like when it comes to the overall world of work? Are we going to be in a recession? I'm just struggling to understand like why what we're going through, what we've gone through isn't already considered a recession. I'm still trying to tie my head around that because layoffs now are slowing down or they have slowed down. I'm definitely not seeing as many notifications. From a lot of the conversations I'm having with agency owners, or recruitment leaders from their conversations with CEOs or their clients, a lot of people are looking to ramp up hiring in Q4 and they're optimistic about Q1 of 2024. I'm thinking that Q4 going into Q1 of next year, we'll start to see hiring pick up again. The most interesting thing right now that's happening is this return to office. And I talk about this a lot. My whole thing has always been, I don't think there's one way. Each individual works in different ways. And But the overall consensus now is remote workers are lazy and people are more efficient in the office. What's going to be really interesting to see when hiring does pick up and it becomes more competitive, it's hard for me to see remote work not coming back. And when I think about why remote work stayed around as long as it did, it was because candidates were getting multiple offers. And whichever offer was fully remote, they were accepting. So a lot of clients would be like, oh, yeah, we're open to remote work. We can get them over the line. And I think we have a talent shortage. Whether or not it gets as extreme as it did in 2021, which is unlikely, there is a shortage of talent. There's a war for talent, they call it. So we know that as soon as candidates start to have multiple opportunities on the table again, it's hard for me to see remote work not coming back even though it has huge ramifications for massive industries. In some ways, a lot of these companies, they screwed themselves over when they allowed people to work remote. And for the most part, people were productive. Yeah, It's hard to argue against that, especially when a year ago, I remember articles saying, studies show that remote workers are just as productive as office workers. And then suddenly now, There's just this huge push against that. Well, there's a lot of open real estate, commercial real estate, and there's a lot of investment in companies. Obviously, there's going to be a pressure to put people in their seat downtown somewhere. The other side to it is we're seeing the data, right? There is a pent up demand for people wanting to work remotely. And the latest LinkedIn data, it looks like 7 to 8% of the job postings are remote. And those 8% are driving almost 50% of the job applications on LinkedIn to give you an idea of the pent up demand of people wanting to work from home because they realize, I don't want to commute two hours. I want to see my kids, all that fun stuff. So This was great, Joel. We were extremely excited to have you on the show and you did not disappoint. It Um, went by too quick. That's my only complaint. Exactly. went by quick. I do want to plug a couple of things. First of all, your podcast, Recruiting is Not a Joke, and it's a live stream. It's also available on all major podcast players. There is the Social Recruiter Newsletter, which I think you launched a couple of months ago. Am I accurate with that? Yep. I launched the newsletter a couple months ago and then I just rebranded and I'm excited about that. That's something which I'm sending out every two weeks, essentially. And then obviously for people to find you, they can follow you on LinkedIn, but you're on all major platforms. Do you want to give your username to the key platform so people can find you easily? Yeah. Realist Recruiter, that is for Instagram, threads, TikTok. 
Human Headhunter is for Twitter, and then Joel Algy is LinkedIn. But if you just search for me in Google, I'm the only Joel Algy. I'm honored to be the only Joel Algy. But if you just search that, <laughs> you will find everything. And if you happen to be on Snapchat, I'm even on Snapchat. So you can go follow me there. All the same content. Are you on Be Real too, Ben? I'm not on Be Real, which is funny because you'd think the realist recruiter should be on there. Maybe that's something I add in there. And I love the fact with that platform, you can only post once a day. I think that's pretty cool. I love what you're doing, Joel. I really appreciate you being on the show. Keep doing what you're doing because it is very worthwhile for our industry. Joel, yeah. thank you so much. Wonderful to meet you. And yeah, likewise. I hope we get a chance to meet in real life. Yes. Yeah, I would love that. I am a real person. I'm going to be going to some more events as well. So we should definitely link up. I'd love that. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. See you guys. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, this is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, it's designed by recruiters for recruiters. So you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.